0: Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With a blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of the Let Them Go Barefoot podcast. I'm your host, Missy Willis, a mother of two, former educator turned unschooling mom, and advocate of learner-centered education. In other words, customization instead of standardization. My conversation today is with Emily Gregoire, a homeschooling mom of four and creator of the micro school the rainbow room which is located in las vegas nevada emily and i met very early on in my foray into instagram and it has been a pleasure to watch her journey and to share now with you how the rainbow room came to be emily's vision values and goals the micro school movement has really taken off since the pandemic began carrie mcdonald writes about education at fee.org and has written on the micro school movement here are a few things she has shared Today's micro-school founders, many of whom are former public school teachers, are well-positioned to thrive as education entrepreneurs. Not only is parent demand for small, low-cost, personalized learning options soaring, but the resources available for founders are increasingly diverse and abundant. She goes on to say, Parents are increasingly seeking a more individualized educational environment for their children with tailored instruction to meet each learner's distinct needs. In 2023, I will be bringing you more conversations with people who are creating alternative education options for parents and families across the country. It is my goal to alert you to what is happening in the self-directed education space, to share what is possible, and to maybe even inspire you to create something your children and your family need. If you are a creator of an alternative learning space, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out through Instagram or send me a message at go at protonmail.com. Here is my conversation with Emily Gregoire.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Emily Gregoire, and I do the Rainbow Room in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's a micro school, and I serve about 12 to 15 on any given year. Um, micro school learners, my ages that I hit are about four to eight, eight is the sweet spot. Um I started doing this four years ago, and it has been a wild ride, so I'm excited to talk to Missy today about that. I have four children of my own um, who have never attended school. I've always um, been uh, interested in unschooling and homeschooling, and I've known Missy for a long time. i followed her account since basically the beginning, and we've had many lovely conversations and messages, and I'm looking forward to our chat today, so... Hi, Missy.
0: Hi, Emily. I'm so glad you're here. And you're right; it has. You were one of my original people that I connected with on Instagram. It's been fun to watch your journey and your evolution because when we first met, you had not started the Rainbow Room, and that's I'd, true. I'd, yeah. And so, so talk to us about how you got to that place. Where Where did the inspiration come from? Were you guided by somebody or were you just like, you know what, this is something I want and I feel like I need for our family and we're just going to go with it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the inspiration for the rainbow room was really, we um, had moved into this house. Uh, So we had gone from our first house into um, our larger home. I was pregnant with my fourth and we had been homeschooling successfully. I've always really loved homeschooling. I, that is not my hurdle to jump over for me, it was um, trying all the different avenues we would sign up for nature groups and then the next year would end and then we we were part of a, a learning community that was lovely and then you know that would that has a, a backstory where our beloved teacher passed away and um, mm. different things were just kind of fighting against us and I had already just been planning and making this whole paradise planning on um, unschooling homeschooling my children here in our house, our new house. So when my sister who had run um, a preschool out of her home had said, you know, Emily, why don't you just do that? That's what you really want to do. And she really gave me that encouragement of like, you can do it. And you know how it is. You just get that little bit of somebody it's so important, that small little push over the edge. And mm-hmm. now I try to that forward of like, it's possible. You can do it. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, sure, it's work. Sure, it's all those things. Sure, you don't have everything right in the line as we speak. But, you know, it comes together. And um, I'm so glad she encouraged me on that. And then it's just been such an amazing ride because it really helps on the side that I have always worried about is like, how do I create consistent rhythms for my children that involve um, this aspect of, I hate that word, you know, in homeschooling and unschooling, socialization, but that's really what I wanted. I wanted my kids to have something that they could rely on a couple of days a week that was going to happen, you know, Mm -hmm. not coordinating and talking and maybe and yes, and oh, let's get together and uh, as we all know, for me, my personality, that's exhausting. I would rather work my butt off and provide a consistent thing every week for kids than I would like to be on the phone texting mothers and coordinating and all that stuff. So that Mm -hmm. was where a lot of it was like, oh, this fits my personality much better. And then just started off slow and um, simple. And then it's just evolved. It's, It's to where I can't even keep up with all the calls and texts and people I meet that are like, oh, you're the rainbow lady.
0: (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. And I have a name for yourself in the community.
1: (laughs) Rainbow lady. (laughs) The rainbow
0: lady. That's awesome. Well, and I I relate to what you're saying too, about creating some sort of a structure and a rhythm and giving uh, your kids something they can look forward to in a consistent group of people that you can depend on because that really does matter. And especially when we are homeschooling, if we don't have that built in community already. So and, you know, this is sort of a note, just like I put a put a tack right here in this part of the conversation that it's important for mothers and fathers who have taken on the responsibility of homeschooling to really be honest with themselves about their personality and their own needs, because we yes. do sometimes get so focused on what our kids need. We kind of forget about, Hey, what, what, do we, what do I need? And, you know, that can be the impetus for a creation of something as well, not just what the kids are curious in, but how, how does, how can you fit in to this homeschooling journey that you're on with your children and where is, are your needs being met in the process? So I love how you noticed that about yourself and said, I'm not going to do this onesie twosie. Maybe they'll show up. Maybe they want, you know, we're, we're going to just go for it. So how did you get the inspiration for that particular, the name, the space and all of that, or was it just like very organic? You just said, we're going to do it. I'm going to put a call out and then we'll go from there.
1: Well, when I had moved into this home, um, I had already been experimenting with so many different ways of, um, like a Montessori space. You know, I was reading a lot of Montessori. I, I love all that kind of stuff. And I was really looking at this prepared environment. I was doing a deep dive on that. And so as this house, you know, we, anybody who's bought a home, it's like a longer process. So I had spent that time nesting. I was pregnant and I'm just looking and looking and looking. And, and I really was turned on to this idea of visible toys that are usable and beautiful and visual. So of course I was led to like the Grimm's and the, um, what's the other name? You know, some of these really proven, creative building toys. And so I had kind of reorganized my space into, let's get rid of some of the bigger, bulkier stuff and simplify down to an aesthetic where my my young kids can just build. I had this Mm -hmm. foyer space that I wanted them to be building with these rainbow wooden toys. And and I set up this beautiful little space of like, uh, you know, a shelfie. And I was just really excited about all that. And then when it came time to name it, I was like, you know what? It's really becoming like the motif is the rainbow room. All these toys are rainbow color. Mm-hmm. And I love color. Uh, my last house was all the walls were different rainbow colors. <laughs> In this house, I went simpler, but the all the decorations are rainbow, so and colorful, so became the Rainbow Room, and I am so glad that I named it that because it's really stuck, and it has a double meaning because almost everybody's that's attracted um, to my space or, or my philosophy, just by the way the universe works, happens to be a double uh, inter- or like an international family, like a mixed. Oh my family. gosh! Yeah. And- Yeah. So as you know, um, my husband's French and so our uh, kids, he's from France, raised in France. So our kids have that background of like half French, half American, and we're trying to mix the two cultures together. And within the rainbow room, we have represented, I can't even tell you how many countries. Um, And it's just an interesting little side note of like what you put out into the world, you know, you kind of attract. A lot of our families have connected on that of like well, I'm married to an American, but we live here and, you know, all these different things. And so, or we've had people that, you know, are both expats living here and they're just looking for something else because I think they don't have as much of the American um, thought process with it. They don't have to go over that hurdle. They're already starting from scratch of like, how do I educate my children? So mm,
0: that's a good point. Yeah they don't have a lot of deconditioning to do that sometimes we're
1: faced with when we make the decision to homeschool. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun to think that we are really a rainbow of um, different influences. And it's so fun to build this community and just hear everybody's story. Cause it's my dream come true. Even in college, I've always been attracted to people that are different than me. I think it came from growing up in Idaho, which was um, a very, you know, Similar, like, uh, I know there's a word for a homogeneous. Hom-
0: homogeneous, that's, yeah, that's what I was about to say, yeah. yeah.
1: So anytime anybody would come if they were an exchange student or, or whatnot, I would always just be like thirsty for like, what's the outside like? Mm. <laughs> it's been a huge part of my personality since my youth. And so in college, I was the den mother to a bunch of international kids. And then I moved to Sun Valley where I met my husband and that was a big international community that the owners of the resort had taken people from all across the world and brought them to this little space to create that kind of thing. And so all along, that's been a big theme of my life. So I'm just overjoyed that the Rainbow Room can have that double meaning. So it's like a fun, <laughs> the universe is working on the backside to make mm-hmm. that happen.
0: No, I find that so fascinating and Just, just cool because it's like you said, the energy kind of that you put out, it's interesting how it comes back to you. And, Mm -hmm. um, so speaking of your children though, being, so are they bilingual?
1: Yes, we're doing our best to make that happen. All right.
0: And then also you mentioned your husband and he's from France and Mm -hmm. he's also a chef. So I saw on your, one of your posts recently (laughs) and your stories that he was on a particular show. Would you like to talk about that?
1: Sure. For anybody who's, uh loves competition shows and cooking shows, my husband, Alexander Gregoire, who is the executive chef of Revea here in Las Vegas, which is in the top floor of the Mandalay Bay. He was on the episode of Chopped. I think it's season 53, episode two. The name of it is Tiny But Mighty. It's on Food Network. But yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch him. It He filmed it in January and it just came out. Mm-hmm. Like that's probably got to be the hardest part, right? <laughs> Waiting so long to, to be able to see it. We had basically all but forgotten about it. You know? Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it was so fun to, to watch your kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I agree. I thought it was so fun to watch their reaction, seeing their father on TV like that. Hmm. Well,
0: did they have any particular interest in what he's doing? Do they like to help in the kitchen or have sure. ideas that they want to try out with him?
1: Yeah, that's also been a fun part of the Rainbow Room is, you know, I have this chef on on the payroll <laughs> who has done really cool experiences with the Rainbow Room. You know, we've baked bread. Next week we're planning um, maybe to do sushi rolls with the kids and, and different things that he can speak to that we made apple tarts a little while ago. And so it's really fun. It's not something that you know, it's just like, well, we've got him here. And all these kids just love having him there. And he cooks the meals of the Rainbow Room a lot of the times. And um, so, yeah, he's an integral part of the Rainbow Room. He's kind of a fun little side of like, oh, yeah. And by the way, there's this fancy French chef. <laughs> 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 and- <laughs> interests.
0: I think that's a huge perk of your rainbow room and maybe even possible uh, advertisement for for people in the future. Hey, by Uh, the way, you'll get this wonderful French meals and, uh, and pastries. So that is, that is a neat part of it too, as well. Just the fact that he does have a little bit of an unusual schedule and can Mm -hmm. hang out with the family during the day and, and be a a part of what your children are experiencing. And, And it's, it really is kind of like a family affair.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your children and, and how this decision to homeschool was already there. But then now that you've moved into this micro school, do you, you call it a micro school? Is that correct? Would that
1: be? Yeah, it goes back and forth on the terminology, but it seems that my, no, I mean, I'm, I like the name micro school because I think it's gettable. It's like Mm -hmm. basically, it's essentially school, but it's micro. And I only do Tuesdays and Thursdays. Which so my my area that I've kind of decided on how I explain it best is the Rainbow Room is for homeschooling families that are looking for a supplementary program where their children can um, have friends, can have interactive play, do STEM and STEAM projects, can basically have all the fun of school, and a little bit of an influence of an outside teacher and and. Yet it's still homeschooling. This is not like I'm a full five times a day replacement for school, which some micro schools are. So that's kind of the distinction. I'm a hybrid homeschooling option. And Mm -hmm. we create together, the parents and I, it's a very interactive um, experience of um, making individualized learning pathways for each child. So each child is, is doing different things when they're here. Um, during the different age groups, I, like I mentioned, I'm four to eight. So that's never bothered me, the mixed-age learning. That's one of my strengths, um, being that I am the mother of a 10, 8, 6, and 4-year-old. That's mm-hmm. just swimming in since day one. So for me, I, I don't see that even as a real challenge. But I know that from the outside looking in and from the schooling mindset, it it's like, well, wait, but how? How is mm. that possible? But yeah,
0: can you kind of walk us through that and sort of explain it for those who might not be familiar, but maybe even people who here have heard your story follow you on Instagram and actually are interested in potentially creating something similar? Of
1: course, yeah, it's really flipping the um you know, sage from the stage. I'm standing up and teaching certain subjects to empowering its it's back to the Montessori prepared environment where there are rules within, or I mean, freedom within limits. So the children, um, I've always borrowed this phrase from one of my mentors, but I say it a lot, play a little, work a little. And we work with the child's, I I basically work with the energy of the children each and every day. And we find, it's it's a much more intuitive process, much like the way I've done unschooling or, or my homeschooling of like some days are just different than other days I, to sometimes there's a holiday going on or some days there's this. And so when you put all your focus on keeping, you know, these reins of schedules and, and tit, 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 this is the things we need to do, it runs off the rails because some days are different. So I like to move with this idea of, The children, we have expectations for, we have, I like little workbooks for different ones that's what they're working on at the time. We make sure to do a little bit of reading, writing, and um, vocab, uh, all those kind of things basically mixed in throughout the day. They set work plans. I'm trying to encourage them to take the skills of thinking about their day, planning their day and really looking at learning with an excitement. And I'm working on making checklists with the kids as we speak, where I went through with each child and kind of basically interviewed them of like, what are your favorite things to do here at Rainbow Room? What Mm. do you find easy? Like, what do you like when Miss Emily says, okay, we're going to do a little bit of our, you know, writing book. And you light up like, yeah, I can't wait, you know, and I do more pages than I even like set out to do. And what do you find like a little challenging When Miss Emily says, "Okay, well, I think we're going to work on a little bit of our math books or some numbers," do you feel yourself kind of? And I'm encouraging them to look inside and kind of monitor that inner fire of like, what, what does excite you? What doesn't? Because that's that's the lifelong skill that I'm really going for.
0: Mm -hmm. That self awareness piece is so huge, and I think
1: you know sometimes
0: our younger children. We, we might think that they're not capable of doing that, but it really is a skill that can be sort of like direct instruction of, of you modeling it for them and then talking to them about it and then kind of allowing them the opportunity to sit with things and, and then possibly teaching them the language to express themselves. I think with the youngest children I know, I've experienced this over the many years I've worked with preschoolers, is that it's not that they don't understand that they're having a feeling, they just might not know how to express it.
1: Absolutely. And, and so I love
0: that you're sitting and having like a little one-on-one with them. That's great.
1: Yeah. And that's the beauty of my environment as well in the Rainbow Room. And if I encouraged anybody to do um a similar style, it's really the environment. That's where you focus most of your energy and where I focus most of my energy is setting up a space and prepared environment that encourages learning that encourages excitement and um, a high motivation level by, you know, working at it, giving them options, and also just letting them be in the space. I mean, when people come and visit um, the Rainbow Room, or like my mother was here the other day, and she just said, it's really impressive that all these children are just like buzzing about doing their things. And it's not just some are playing, some are like getting their cute little, you know, those lap uh, desks and sitting together in little groups and working on their sight words. And other kids are doing a puzzle or a learning game over here. And I'm in with a couple other of them in this little space I've created where we kind of have conversations or we work in a little quieter environment and read or do different things. And she was just seeing how, how much I am not the main uh, you know controller or you know mm-hmm. steps aside then it's just complete chaos. no, we yeah. are partnerships, we always talk about being a team, the rainbow team, we are looking out for each other. I focus so much on the language used and the attitudes towards one another that is honestly like seventy percent of my focus of. How are our behaviors and attitudes and respect for one another influencing our days? Mm. And it, it's really the secret because I've I've had my children in different things. I've we all know that if your child comes home complaining about the way some other child is treating them, or the way they feel there, or how they're just that's. Uh, overshadowing any sort of learning, any sort of, they can have the best stats for educational whatever. But if your child is not feeling emotionally safe, there is feeling like they're just so sidelined by anxiety about one other student or things like that, that derails everything. So for me, I'm always, and we have such a sweet little team. It's really adorable. And I feel so blessed to just witness their genuine interactions every day of caring for one another. It's like the best of humans, you know, and I'm just yeah. right in the middle. <laughs> yeah.
0: When I like how you, you talked about what your mother noticed that, that it wasn't like you were the primary and everybody was orbiting around you. It was more like they were orbiting around one another in their own little circles and, and interests were leading some together and some were doing things individually. Because I do think when children are given the opportunity to be in an environment that is supportive in the way that you've created yours, they can relax into learning and Absolutely. their interest in a way that is, is really difficult to do in a setting where there's a lot of children with a lot of different backgrounds. And I don't mean backgrounds like More, more about their emotional backgrounds. So maybe they've come to school hungry, or maybe they've come to school upset about something that happened the night before. But that stuff doesn't get addressed. It's like, just stop worrying about whatever that was come in here, clear your mind, and now you will learn. And you're right. It's impossible to do that. I mean, think about it as an adult. I know when I get stressed out, there's nothing else I can do except focus on that thing that needs to get taken care of. If somebody were to come to me and say, okay, now you got to study for this test, it would have been just forget about it. I might as well just take a zero because I can't. (laughs) So I I agree. I think you're you're spot on that that's really the secret sauce in any um, any micro school, school, homeschool. It's that connection piece. And when the kids feel connected and they feel heard, and they feel like they have a part to play, it's a it's powerful.
1: Absolutely. And that's what, remember, you were saying before we got on here about the, you had written the piece on trust. And that is my number one, like, mantra word, like, trust. Um, mm. And that's what I focus on with the children. And I monitor each one is different. Some are very, um, you know, physical, they want to hug and they want, you know, all those things. And what I've done is I set my sight myself back a bit in an observation mode. I'm kind and loving and, and smiley. And, and I'm always letting them know you can trust me both with my body language mm-hmm. with, I follow through on my promises. I tell them all the time, miss Emily keeps her promises So, if you're asking me about something like, and I say, okay, this afternoon, I promise we will do that. And you know, Miss Emily keeps her promises, right? And I follow through on that. And I'm just always trying to let them know how much I care about them genuinely and how much they can trust me. They can lay their little trust in me. I like to show up consistently for each child. And sometimes that takes them. you know, two weeks to trust me, or sometimes it takes two months. And, and I've had children where and and it is always deepening, you know, just like mm. with my own. Um, I first and foremost, focus on trust, like, do you trust that I will get your needs met? Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is with babies and like all relationships. If you don't have that trust, and you're kind of all over the place and wishy-washy and like, Children know that. They feel that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that consistency and dependability piece is is very, very important. And I know that like in school settings, you've got consistency, but not necessarily consistency in attitude or behavior or presentation. You know, Mm -hmm. consistency might be that this is a building that you come to every day for five days a week, but that doesn't mean that you're getting a consistent person showing up who really does have your best
1: interest at heart. Isn't that... true and sometimes that's I think what the the thing about Rainbow Room is you know if you look at it from day to day or you follow Rainbow Room it can look like not so consistent you mm-hmm. know like you know this one day and then we do that and then you know each day is like this and I'm really co-creating with the children but I think that is what we're trying to get at here is that the consistency and the dependency and the reason why the children feel good here and they're excited to come here is that consistency, never-wavering dependability of who I am, who I show up as, that you can trust me, that you can trust this environment. I'm not going to get mad at you. You are safe here. We might have a moment where we need to talk about something, but I can't even tell you how few, if any, sort of disciplinarian or fighting or anything within this space, because I've set such clear, clear guidelines and I'm modeling all the time, you know, of how we interact, how we do this, who we are here and we're a team and we take yeah, care of each other.
0: That's amazing. Well, can you, so give cause I was going to ask you, it was like, come on now, there's got to be some drama. <laughs> You've got four year olds <laughs> <Yeah>. to eight year olds. <laughs> So tell me like what, what would be a good example of let's say, you know, maybe there's a, there's a disagreement about how a toy is going to be used or, or supplies or something of that sort, you know, what, what would be sort of like a way that you could approach that to be sure that each child's needs are being met and they're being heard?
1: Yes. So for example, I think it goes back to trust once again, because you're basically saying you're hearing both both children, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like positive parenting sort of thing. You're trying to hear both sides. You're saying, okay guys, let's, let's take a second. Let's see what's up. So you're saying you wanted to to play this game and you're, you know, you're saying you wanted to play this game. Well, really, honestly, the one I can think of is, you know, I, I let children bring some of their little security, um, things whether it's a little toy they wanted to show their friends we do a show and tell thing here which is a different thing and then so some of the things I mostly run up with is kind of different jealousies or different like wanting to play with things and so that comes up a lot but what I'm always doing is kind of saying like guys can you help me figure out how we can still allow you to bring your special objects but also not let it be a distraction for others so can we like Maybe put all the toys in a box, set a certain time. You know, I'm really putting it back on them, but also saying, "Trust Miss Emily," because I'm trying to work towards something that is best for all of us, mm. instead of, "Okay, all the toys for me. Give them to me. Mm-hmm. We're done." You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they live in that <laughs> in that trust tree, yeah, they, <laughs> you know, I think that's from some movie. Are we in the trust tree? But. <laughs> In a trust tree they really do they're not as um anxious yeah that something they don't feel that you know mm-hmm. they know that it's gonna be okay and that we're gonna it's you know
0: well and they've also it, it they've had the experience they've been able to see it go mm-hmm. from they've, they've seen it through so they know they haven't, uh, even if they can't necessarily remember a specific incident, it's kind of in their bodies. They, their bodies have been able to have that nervous system experience and it's turned out okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean,
0: mm-hmm. even you describing it, I'm just sitting here listening to you. I'm like, you're so calm. You have such a soft, <laughs> lovely voice. Like I can just see how kids would be this like, ah, oh, Miss Emily, like, it could just be mm-hmm. such a calm, lovely, fun space that they would just love to get to every day but you do it twice a week. And so you mentioned earlier about your parents. So do you all get together and have like a like a, like a, a bird's eye view plan that you create based on the feedback of the individual parents? Or do they just come to you with ideas or say, hey, my children have been talking about this, this or this. Can we incorporate it somehow? So how does that look?
1: Well, most of the parents that I do serve, and I think this is a really important piece to mention, is you have to really be um on the same I guess level or, or not level um I guess your needs and wants have to be similar in that I decided kind of a long time ago I'm not really looking to educate anybody or carry anybody on this journey with me of like well you you, you know you still have this mindset of what school is and then I serve homeschooling families that have already done that math Mm. right Mm -hmm. and then I am that solution it's really a story of build what you um wanted in the world and so I go back to that Emily Gregoire that was had a four and a two-year-old and a five and a three or you know five and three year old and was really like is there some place I can just go that would be like school enough that they can like mature into this idea of quote unquote, going to school, but it doesn't come with all the other (laughs) rigmarole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that is truly what I've created for parents. And so I have luckily over the years been able to find, I am that missing piece for everybody who's like, I'm really feeling led to homeschooling. I want to be a homeschooler, but I see my little five-year-old blossoming and watching shows and asking if they're going to go to school. And and it's that perfect piece of like, well, yeah. Do you want to go to that place, Rainbow? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I I go there Tuesdays and Thursdays because kids don't know when they start school. I can only imagine that once this starts to wear off the weekend, they're like, do I go here every mm-hmm. day? Like, mm-hmm. five
0: well, it's very, it's very romanticized <laughs> in many areas and shows and things that our children yeah. watch. And you know, there are some aspects of it that are fun and and inviting. So it's natural i think for children to be curious and to say hey you know my neighbors are doing this thing or my cousins are and i i i don't want to be left out i don't want to miss out um but it it's like you said too that, that there are aspects of the daily school attendance that a lot of us could do without and our children especially and especially when they're younger because they'd get tired they get overwhelmed and It's, uh, Mm -hmm. it's important that they have a space that they can go to, to take, like, uh, as John Taylor Gatto says, my favorite thing that he says is we don't give Mm -hmm. our children an education, they take one. And that's what it feels like the Rainbow Room offers. It's a place they can go and they can take what they need from it for themselves, their unique Mm -hmm. people that they are, their particular circumstances Mm -hmm. that they're in. um, And, and that's a really, that's a really beautiful thing that you've created. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, because you said it goes to age eight, but you have a daughter who's 10. Is that correct? hmm So how does she fit into your, your school not your homeschool, but does she participate? Does she help you? Or what? does she have her own thing going on now?
1: That's so interesting you ask, because it is so interesting to witness. Um, I am a lifelong learner myself. I'm a lifelong self-educator. You know what I mean? So this mm-hmm. all naturally to me as far as this idea of like learn you know i want to learn all the time and so i am a real big observer and that's why i think i love montessori is a, like a background um so much because it's that observing rather than writing the script over it and so of course i've grappled with that of like well she's 10 will she feel like the oldest will she feel like and, and I have an eight year old so you you know ten and eight and and then I've watched her, and she has blossomed of her own volition almost into like an apprentice of mine. Mm, that's and amazing. It's really beautiful to witness because I don't want to run into a space where she feels pressure to do that, mm. where she feels um, like she doesn't have any choice in the matter. Or where she's just taken along for the ride. That's really something I don't want. So I've given her a lot of uh, space in that. That My children all, quote-unquote, work for the Rainbow Room in that <laughs> money for the help with the cleanup. And they have, like, little jobs. Like, we get Rainbow Room ready. It's a lot of preparation in the cleaning department. And then we um, clean up afterwards. And so I pay them. That's, like, how I arrange their allowance, quote-unquote. Um, is that basically that's your extra job, you know, above and beyond our family teamwork Mm -hmm. goals. And And so Rainbow Room is extra. um, And so that is what I pay you for. And beyond that, I've watched her just, she watches me and then takes kids aside of her own thing and says, hey, mom, I made this little writing plan for, you know, one of the children and I can I do a reading lesson with so and so and. And she loves children really genuinely. She takes to her baby cousin. We have a baby cousin that's two. And then the other kids are all kind of in a similar age range. But it's beautiful of like she runs to that two-year-old and they go off and do their thing. And then Mm -hmm. the other play in their way. And we all get to kind of witness that. Wow, that is so fun and cool. And it really speaks, I think, because I have raised her in such a natural way that they're, <laughs> it, have you read that coming of age in Samoa? No, I haven't. It's really, it's like saying basically that evolution, a, 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 <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Via evolution, the human evolution, um, young, prepubescent boys and girls were in charge of the younger kids the toddlers the you know 4 or 5 6 year olds they were that was their maturity that was their kind of like next role is well i am a little older and my parents can rely on me and so i you know watch over these toddlers and things like that and that's a natural space for them and i've just been like wow that has been so my experience just observing that. And it's not even just my daughters. I have watched boys and girls of a certain age. You would think, like, well, what does a seven year old have in common with a two year old? Uh, a lot. They're little humans and they mm-hmm. love each other, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: just had them say yesterday, oh, you know, she is so cute. And their just little hearts go so tender for the younger ones. Oh, because yeah. I absolutely reject this idea of we're older kids. We don't play with little kids or mm. the little kids. So, you know, are bothering us. And Oh, that is like my biggest pet peeve. So I'm very <laughs> against ageism <laughs> within the space. You know, I let these relationships develop of like 10 year olds play with six year olds and two year olds play with eight year olds and all these different things. Mm-hmm. So without writing the script over it myself, it really works.
0: Yeah. have found that to be the case many, many times in my Experience in the homeschool community, it it was difficult to to see that play out in a schooling setting for various for obvious reasons. The fact that kids are separated out by age in a very tight little age range, Um, and it kind of goes along with what Peter Gray has said and seen and researched and shared, which is that our children learn from one another, and they the young ones learn from the older ones how to either you know, maybe be a little braver or take a little bit more risk or try something that they may not have thought of at the time. But then the older ones actually learn from the younger ones by how to be maybe a little softer and more nurturing. And there's this really beautiful symbiotic relationship that's happening between the two. But I guess what I want to like highlight is I do think that comes from being in an environment where that is safe and comfortable to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and I think because you have created a place where kids know that there's not going to be any judgment if they there's a three-year age difference and they happen to like the same thing it it really does speak to the need for children to be in the presence of adults and others who understand the importance of those connections no matter what an age is
1: absolutely and um I've just seen that so many times and I think it is something that is um, both reinforced on both uh, maybe parental levels and um, the school system where it's basically like even within a a grade, an age grade, you can uh, like, well, I'm older, you know, even if it's like an October, January difference, you know? Yeah. Just saying that it can be so kind of a silly thing that, um, you know, parents will maybe even reinforce it like, oh, annoying little brother, mm. or maybe something from their own past, where they're kind of writing, I'm, I'm really against, that's why I am kind of keep talking about this observer- observational stance, versus basically writing out what you think might be happening, versus watching what's actually happening. Mm. That's way I approach all my parenting is like really trying to observe what it really is happening versus writing a script over it and I even have an example of that with Julieta where uh, my oldest uh, 10 year old I kind of said to her one day oh honey I'm sorry you're the oldest cousin and that you don't have any cousins that are just right your age you know the next one is her sister And, and she goes what? I love being the oldest. Aww. It's so cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's such a great example of like how we put our own feelings and emotions about stuff onto our kids. We project so often. I mean, all of us yeah. do it as human beings. I think we do that for so many reasons and so many areas, but yeah, no, I, I'm glad that she was comfortable enough to be like, no mom, you've got that wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's just so funny how even you just kind of assume your children have these certain thoughts or feelings. And then when you hear it, you're like, oh, well, of course, you have your own perspective and your own experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the coolest thing. Yeah. That's what I love about thinking.
0: Well, and it's that, so that's, much fun. that communication piece is so vital. I, as you were talking about the different ages and, you know, it it's easy for my brain to be like, okay, let me think of all these ideas or not ideas, examples of, of Things that we experienced, and we had um, a trampoline. We still have a trampoline, and and it gets, still gets used every once in a while, even with my twenty year old and and fifteen year old. But it was sort of a a magnet uh, for for the kids in the neighborhood, and also anytime we had large groups of children over, there were there were lots of kids on the trampoline. <laughs> Probably way more than you know the the manufacturer would have been comfortable with, but we would have multiple ages on there and some would little littles and some of the bigger kids. And what I noticed is that now there were sometimes that there were some tricky uh, um, situations to work through, but if the little ones were on there, the older ones would sit down and the littles would bounce around, you know, and then maybe one or two of the older ones would get up. It was like they would self monitor. They would notice, okay, I can't get on here and jump like I do when I'm here with the two older boys because I will shoot the child off of the trampoline. Um, But then eventually the little one would, would get tired and want to get off. And it was a patience thing. It wasn't just a matter of let's make them leave. It was more like eventually they're going to want to go into something else. So it was nice to watch the children realize that they didn't have to force anybody out. Now, of course I saw with my own children, Sometimes the brother would want to be really rambunctious with the other boys that were here. And there would be a lot of very various tricks being done. And if this little sister and her friend were on there, they would be concerned that they were going to hit somebody. And I would have to walk through that with them. There were, it was tricky a couple of times because I would say, OK, this is what your brother's hoping to do. How about you come off with me? We'll go swing. And it was like, no, I want to be on here too. Um, and so we would have to sort of walk, uh, walk through that to the point where one time she got a foot in the face and it almost busted a tooth. Oh my. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know. I was like, really? But what, what happened is that she was like, okay, I see why it's hard to be on here with all these people. So, you know, it was, again, I mean, I hated that she got injured, but at the same time, I see there's some, there's some learning in that, and that when we're always interfering and trying to, police or coach, not coach, but police a situation, it it, it can it can interfere with their own learning. So there's a whole thing like the blessing of a skin knee kind of situation where it's not like you're throwing your children to the wolves, but you also realize that there are some like natural sort of consequences that will happen in a setting. So I'm just I'm not trying to say that, you know, you need to let your kids duke it out or anything, but but I I, I, I see what naturally can happen when kids of various ages and skill level and sizes interact with one another.
1: Yeah, I think the the blessings of mixed age learning or the lessons and all that, it's like I I could go on all day about mm-hmm. it of like how much I see it benefiting both the older and the younger. And I just think it's really something that is overlooked in our world because we aren't used to that and people are used to this idea of sage from the stage and that like we must pour knowledge into our children instead of like them experiencing the world and gaining knowledge. And um, I just see it all the time. And then I was just even thinking about when you were saying is like, I always use this method and I just did it yesterday of like, you know, I'll start with um, like, we've been working on subtraction and money math. I find that the kids really love money math and we've been doing entrepreneurship, little projects and things like that. And um, so I, you know, I thought to myself, okay, you know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to do what I usually do of like, I'll start with one child of a certain, like one of my oldest and I'll say, okay, why don't you come over here? I want to play a game with you. We're going to do this subtraction math. and We're going to use real money. And we're going to start playing this way. And I just laugh every time because before you know it, I have, we have everybody there. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> really interested and they're Like, can I be next? Can I be next? And I call it the Tom Sawyer method because, you know, it's just <laughs> like when he was washing that fence, he just sells it to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. He's got everybody whitewashed and thinking it's the funnest thing ever. And that's basically how I treat a lot of this stuff is like, oh, don't mind us. We're just doing subtraction over here with math or with money. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're all like, me too, me too. Can mm-hmm. I do it?
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah. and and also yes. that that sort of um, the, the reality that if others are doing it, they are curious. And it's kind of like why mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, children get – get into squabbles over certain toys or certain events, because if there's not enough to go around, right, they they are struggling mm-hmm. to either be patient because they're just young and it's hard for them to do that. And they haven't really quite mastered that skill yet. Um, but they do tend to like to do things together and to participate. And it is more fun.
1: It is. And they, and then I like to, once that gets going and that interest is there, then I teach them basically of, Okay. Well, now now this older child has gotten the hang of really what I'm doing, you know, which is pretty simple of like I'm pretending I'm buying this banana for 50 cents, but um the real cost of it is 45 cents. What's my change, you know? And then they can pair off and before you know it, they're all teaching one another and it's it's not me having to go with each and every one, and and before you know it, the younger the younger really look up to the older, and where we have such a trusting environment where everybody's um, kind and understanding to one another and accommodating, they um, they really it's a lot of fun, as we all know, and I know many of our favorite authors that we share write about that um, that how teaching is really gaining the knowledge twice. And that's just a huge part of Rainbow Room as well, is encouraging the children to be a dynamic piece of the education process. Mm, I like that. Yeah. One of my few memories, you know, I have not like my school experience was um, really a lot of boredom and (laughs) just kind of hanging out. But I remember that they had a program where the first graders would read with the sixth graders. And that still sticks out in my head as both, Mm -hmm. like when I was the first grader and when I was the sixth grader, you know, as like the coolest thing ever, because you're just trying to impress them. And then when you're the sixth grader, you're like taking this little mentee on and you're just like, oh, so cool. And Julieta had that the other day where one of, uh, she's a second English, um, you know, the Rainbow Room has had quite a few English as a second language. Uh, learners which I love and um, I just jump right in and we've taught them to read and all this stuff and so Julietta got to have this experience where last year she was um, taking her aside and giving her reading lessons and then she came for show and tell and shared a book and Julietta was just like oh my gosh isn't that Mm -hmm. so cool how well she's reading and I'm like Mm -hmm. honey you can be very proud and she's 10 you know we cannot rob children of this maturity that they want to have and they want to they're ready for just because we're thinking well you know this that and the other Mm -hmm. it's that contribution piece that's
0: really powerful and everybody wants to have a meaningful um they want to have a meaningful contribution even within the family it's why toddlers want to help you fold the clothes or help you in the Mm -hmm. kitchen or you know they see you doing something and it's like this is what children do they model they mimic what they see And Mm -hmm. so if they see you contributing to the family, they want to contribute. And if, you know, your daughters are seeing you or your children, I know you have a little boy too, that are seeing you lead these children and support these children and they're wanting to do it as well. And, And there's so much gratification from that. And I think it's a beautiful thing to
1: witness and experience. When I have a new student or somebody, they will bond with my children really like first they'll run to them, you know, oh, I'm at Rainbow Room, run and give Julietta a hug or Ophelia. And, um, and then it's a few weeks later that, you know, they've been watching me from the side of their eye. And I'm there and I'm helping instruct them. But they see me as, you know, an administrative, like, like still the kind of the chief or whatever, <laughs> but they're still not sure. and And so it's after they kind of I've watched this pattern of just like then they come up to me just one day with these bright eyes of oh, Hi Miss Emily. And I'm like, Yep, yay. <laughs> they,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's happened.
1: <laughs> you know, uh-huh. no, they'll 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 trust me when they have tears, when they're upset. I really love mm. that when, you know, they get a skin knee and they let me comfort them, like in that full way of like body into me, like <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. they trust me. They're not feeling insecure or anxious or worried. Right, right.
0: Well, and and that really does um, speak to the the different temperaments of our children Mm -hmm. and that they're not all the same. Not all kids are going to come walking into a setting and be like, oh, what is all this stuff? I want to touch everything. Some are going to be really reserved and stand back and well so I know that there are some questions that you have for me and I want to give us some time to be able to do that. Before we get to that point, do you have like sort of any wrap up there that you'd like to offer for families or or parents who um who really are curious about creating a space like what you have. I mean, first of all, they need to follow you on Instagram. Do you have a Facebook page too or just Instagram?
1: On Facebook I'm on a, I have a, a like a business page Rainbow Learning Co. I don't Okay as much time over there, but I do have a page over there. And, um, but Instagram, as you know, I'm sharing all the time and I share the rainbow room days because I feel like those videos, um, speak for themselves. You know, anybody Mm -hmm. can take some pictures of kids and and stuff, but I have been filming my children and like, I've been filming my life since I was 19. So it's a subtle, I, just share like as they're working. I don't try and be in their face. I don't have them perform to the camera. It's just a subtle kind of like, wow, look what we're doing. Look how they're mm-hmm. learning how this is working, and I let those speak for themselves because even as I speak, I'm not able to articulate as much as what is really happening just by watching those videos of our days, the Rainbow Days. So that's at uh, at the dot rainbow dot room underscore on Instagram and I'm very active over there and then um besides that um I really encourage uh, all my motivation I love the rainbow room and I love education and all that stuff but at the end of the day my motivation was to be a close family to like I didn't have four children just to fall into this running around overwhelmed trap of ah, anxiety mm-hmm. trying to meet everybody's needs I I really have always been a lifelong creative contrarian and so I was always asking why school why school if if somebody can give me a good enough answer but none of these answers are really hitting home for me so it was because I wanted to have a wild and a free family that we could you know be in France some times of the year and other times that I just set everything based on that and so Everything that I do is really in in service of that vision for my family. And so I think that's where people should start is like really what do you intentionally want for your family because once you start a thing in motion, you know, it starts to gain its own speed and its own momentum, you know.
0: Mhm. I love that. Well, and and do you give people like, would you be a mentor to people, or have you done that? Or could, like, if somebody really wanted to get something started and they were very serious about it and just needed a a guide, or no? (laughs) Are you like, wait a minute, that's too much?
1: (laughs) I'm up for a $50,000 grant right now from Vila Education, who, in the mean, in basically the opportunity to expand the Rainbow Rooms reach and um, create, you know, services and products and replication, basically models for anybody who is looking to get into this space. I think it's easier than people would imagine. And there is a huge momentum right now. And mm. like I can't even keep up with the amount of uh, people that want a similar hybrid program. And right. it's a really good fit for moms that or ex-teachers who fill that light of loving to be with children and all that, it's also possible. And we're right at the, what I see is just becoming a flood of need. And so yeah. I'm more than happy to help anybody watch, I mean, to in that space and then watch to hopefully we'll see how that grant goes. But regardless, I do, of course, want to help mentor any buddy and everybody who is just looking for that push like my sister gave me of like you can do this.
0: Well, I'm so grateful that you had the idea and the vision and the push from your sister mm-hmm. to to provide that space for for families where you are and to also be an inspiration to other people. Yeah. So, I encourage anybody listening to go to go watch along because you do share some really fun stuff and it just gives me a smile every time I see it cuz they just look so happy and cute. <laughs> it's just such a great example of what is possible. So thank you for that. Um, all right. So what, what do you have for me?
1: So my biggest questions as, um, you know, you have older children and I'm still in this younger children phase, as is all the families I serve. And we're, our questions are really kind of looking forward as our children get older and um, really in this preteen, not quite teenagers with their own needs of like, you know, looking forward to jobs and driving and all that stuff. But really, what would advice would you give for parents as they transition into the, you know, 10 to 14 prepubescent into puberty kind of changes as unschoolers, homeschoolers? What, what are the things we're really going to deal with? And like, do you have any books that are just awesome for kind of discussing that next frontier for us? Mm hmm. <laughs> Gosh,
0: you know, I can't think of any books right off the top of my head that would speak specifically to that. The only thing that really comes to mind would be work by Michael Gurian, G-U-R-I-A-N. I I think that's how you say his last name. And it's um he he does a lot of work on boys and Mm. the special needs that and considerations to have for our our young men. Mm -hmm. So he his books are really appreciated, Um, but. Honestly, it, it really has always boiled down to now that I'm um, at the space where I can kind of look back on our younger years. And I, like I said, I still have a daughter who's 15. And so, you know, she still has things that she does that I'm involved in or helping orchestrate. But it really boils down to paying attention to the children that you have in front of you and not making assumptions about what they will or won't need. Like we talked about earlier, like we come to it with our own sort of expectations about what we've either personally experienced or heard people have experienced. And then we have these ideas that, oh, when they become this age, this is what they'll need. And, Mm -hmm. and we might be wrong, you know, and we can't predict the future we can't predict their path. You know, my oldest who's 20 now, he was really into gaming and pretty certain that he was going to go into that career field. And he actually did start out that way. And he took a simulation and game development software program and he has a um, certificate in that now. As he's done it and since he's done it, he knows that that's not where he wants to spend his time. He's really into health and fitness. And so he's kind of switching gears now. So I I, I couldn't have predicted that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, that's, what's so beautiful about it is that if you as a parent maintain that your own sense of curiosity and openness, Mm -hmm. then you will give your children permission to do that as well. And that there's no hard and fast rules as far as like what you have to take and when you have to take it, but more keeping that, the, 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 um, keeping the love of learning alive that we're always learning. You're never going to stop. You're going to get to some point in your life and go, okay, I've, I've done enough of that. I'm ready to switch gears and, um, and allowing and giving them the, the safety and the confidence to do that. So that's probably my biggest piece of advice. The other part of it would be that, again, it goes back to the individual children, but some need a lot more, um, group activities and, extroverted sort of personalities want a lot more activities and so I can imagine because you've already kind of established a pretty core group of families that you might see that there's a couple of families with the same things that maybe your kids enjoy and and you all together would be able to create something and yes it it's uh, um the the whole idea if you create it they will come and so if you're experiencing a need for it or your kids are and another family then there's a pretty good chance that you've got extended families who are who are looking for it as well Um, and 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 always um, any follow their interests so where whatever they're interested in if you can either create a volunteer opportunity for them maybe even a little side job or uh, or some sort of way that they can give back and participate then those are I think beautiful beautiful opportunities for the kids to sharpen their own skills, contribute back to something that they care about. And it helps them, you know, it helps them build a bunch of skills, working with the general public, possibly, or, um, or nurturing um, their love of a particular topic, or maybe even helping them know that that's not what they want to do forever and ever. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes we think that, oh, well, they're into music now, and they're so good at it, then that's what they're going to do forever. But no, maybe they don't. And that's okay, too. But having them get an opportunity to try it and, and really kind of delve into it, I think is kind
1: of is key. Well, I I love everything you said, because it's um, very true. And uh, as someone who has had a multitude of different career paths. (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's such a, a cool thing to keep that space open for your kids and just Let them go gung-ho and then be okay when they do switch gears and they say, like, you know, I got the feedback from that that wasn't really a career, a viable thing for me, or I didn't want to do that every day for the rest of my life. I satiated that curiosity and I want to switch gears. And I do think the more that we can use their teen years for that, the better off. They'll be once they do get to going out into the world at eighteen, nineteen, whatever, and um, mm-hmm. they get to say like, "Okay, well, I've already explored three things pretty deeply, and now I have some feedback about how I work. Am I an independent worker? Do I need groups? Do I need, you know, what kind of where do I work best, and how do I yeah. fit the puzzle?" And and
0: do I need a schedule? Do I like that external schedule that I know is dependable? Because some kids do like that, even in unschooling. (laughs) You've got the the really free flowy laid-back kids who are like, whatever, whenever, however. And then other ones are like, what is happening today? And what's happening this week? And so it just always goes back to looking at those children that you have. Because, you know, as we all know, just because they're in the same family does not mean they will have the same interests, ideas, opinions, beliefs. It's just... Mm-hmm. not going to be the case. And mm-hmm. it's a rare, it's a rare experience. I would say that that you have a family where pretty much everybody kind of does the same thing. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, um, if there's anything, anything else I would add there. I can't really think of anything right now, but do you have another question?
1: No, but, or, I mean, if you come up with stuff, I, I'd love to hear it. You know, if you start thinking on it and you want to write a little, you're, I'm loving your blog and that you're that you're expanding into your podcast. I'm just so excited that you're sharing your knowledge because it really Thank is. Thank you. i have to tell you, it is unique. Like I scour the internet and, <laughs> and, and there's a lot of cool and interesting people that are doing things and there's a lot of women in my space, you know, with young children who are doing something cool and different. But I really love your perspective of like, You know, I've been a teacher and I've done this and I've, this is how I did my kids. And now I'm on this side of it. And it's a very, I've read a lot and I just love your perspective. So please keep sharing it. And I want most of the people that follow me, I've shared enough of your stuff that they all follow you already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again so much for agreeing to be on here with me. And I just love that we got a chance to do it. And Mm I will make sure that everything is in the show notes to connect people to you and the rainbow room. And please tell your family, thank you for letting me borrow you for over an hour. And, uh, you know, I will see you. I will definitely
1: see you over on Instagram. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Missy. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for listening. If you have been enjoying the podcast and would like to leave a review, it is a great no cost way to support the show. For anyone who'd like to support the podcast directly, there is always a link in the show notes. And thank you to those who have been supporting my writing over on Substack. I recently added a tip jar, which has been a nice option for anyone who'd like to donate without signing up for a monthly subscription. And also don't forget about the Barefoot Playground. This is where low-cost monthly Zoom gatherings take place to talk about homeschooling, conscious parenting, neuroscience, child development, the teen years, and so much more. It's also where I answer your questions directly. You can learn more about it at letemgobarefoot.com. The next gathering is this coming Monday, December 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to learn more about micro-schools, I put links to several articles written by Carrie McDonald, who I mentioned in the introduction. She breaks the trends down in easy-to-read essays over on fee.org. Okay. I think that's it for now. Have a wonderful week. And as always, stay curious, stay connected and stay aware. Until next time.